0: Book eleven. Then, when we had arrived down there at the sea and the galley, first we dragged our ship out into the luminous sea-brine, set up the mast-pole, and hoisted the sails in the dark-hued galley. Bringing the sheep, we loaded them into the hold, and ourselves then boarded, lamenting our woes, pouring out great tears in abundance. Then, as a noble companion to follow the dark-proud galley, Circe of beautiful hair, dread goddess with speech of a mortal, sent us a favoring wind which filled up the bellying canvas. Finally, when on the ship we had seen to each piece of the tackling, we sat down, and the wind and the steersman guided her forward. All day long were the sails spread out as she ran through the seaway. Then did the sun go down, and the ways were all shadowed in darkness. She came then to the ultimate bounds of the deep flowing ocean where the Cimmerian people are found, their country and city shrouded about by the mist and the clouds, so that never does shining Helios look down over the land with his radiant sunbeams, neither whenever he climbs on high to the star-filled heaven, nor indeed when again out of heaven to earth he is turning but a maleficent night spreads over the miserable mortals. There we arrived, then beaching the galley we carried the sheep out onto the shore and proceeded along by the current of ocean, walking until we came to the place of which Circe had spoken. There, as the victims were held by Eurylochus and Paramedes, straightway then I, drawing my keen sword out of its thigh sheath, "'dug out a pit of a cubit's extent, one way and the other. "'Into it then I poured libations to all who had perished, First, a commingling of honey and milk, sweet wine was the second, "'water the third, then over them all white barley I sprinkled. "'I prayed hard to the fleeting and strengthless souls of the perished, "'said that in Ithaca, when I arrived, "'I would offer a barren cow, the best one in the palace,' and heap up the pyre with my treasures. Then for Tiresias, separately, I would offer an all-black ram, whichever was most outstanding among our sheep flocks. When I had thus with entreaties and promises prayed to them, all those tribes of the dead, then seizing the sheep I severed the throat-flesh over the pit, and the blood poured out black-clouded, and up from Erebus gathered the shades of the bodies of those who had perished. Young brides, youths unwedded, and men grown old in affliction, maidens of tenderest years, with the grief yet fresh in their spirits— Many as well there were, who with bronze-tipped spears had been wounded. Men killed, fighting in wars, in accoutrements bloody and gore-stained. These in numbers surrounded the pit, all jostling together, raising a dreadful and deafening clamor, and green fear seized me. Straightway then I roused the companions, and told them to take those sheep that were lying about, just killed by the pitiless sword-blade, flay their bodies and burn them, and offer the gods their entreaties, Hades the powerful one, Persephone, honored and dreaded. Then did I sit there, drawing my keen sword out of its thigh-sheath, nor would I let those fleeting and strengthless souls of the perished come any nearer the blood before hearing Tiresias' teachings. First, however, the soul of Elpiner, my comrade, approached me. Not yet under the earth of the broad ways he had been buried. Since we had left his body behind in the palace of Circe, both unwept and unburied, another endeavor constrained us. Seeing him there I wept, in my heart felt sorrow and pity. Raising my voice I spoke, and in these winged words I addressed him. How have you come, Elpenor, down under the murk and the shadows? You on foot arrived sooner than I with a dark hued galley. So I spoke, and he answered in these words, loudly lamenting Zeus sprung son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices, heaven's ill will and unlimited wine subdued me to folly. I lay asleep in the palace of Circe, and did not remember, when I started departing, to climb back down the long ladder. But as I fell headlong from the edge of the roof, and the neck bones broke from the joints, my soul came down to the dwelling of Hades. Now I beseech by the ones you left, who are far at a distance— first by your wife and the father who tended you when you were little, then by Telemachus, whom you left the one son in your palace. Since I know when you leave this place and the palace of Hades, you will be mooring your well-made ship in the Isle of Aiaia. When you arrive there, Lord, be mindful of me, I entreat you, Do not leave me to be henceforth unwept and unburied, turning your back, lest I bring down upon you the god's anger. But, having burned me up with the arms that are mine and the armor, heap me a grave mound there on the shore of the silvery sea-brine, for an unfortunate man to be known by those coming after. Do these things for my sake, then plant my oar on the grave mound, that with which I rode when alive and among the companions. So he spoke, and in turn I addressed him, giving an answer. Luckless friend, these things I will do for your sake and accomplish. So as we sat, each making reply to the other in somber words, I held my sword up over the blood on the one side, while on the other the shade of my comrade talked for a long time. Then came up and approached me the spirit of my dead mother, old Anticlea, who was great-hearted Autolycus' daughter, whom, when I parted for sacred Ilion, I had left living. Seeing her there I wept, and my heart felt sorrow and pity, yet although I was aching with grief, not then would I let her come any nearer the blood before hearing Tiresia's teachings." Then came up and approached me the Theban Tiresias' spirit, holding a sceptre of gold. He knew me, and thus he addressed me. Zeus sprung, son of Laertes, Odysseus of many devices. Why, unfortunate man, do you come here, leaving the shining light of the sun, to behold these dead, this place without pleasure?' But draw back from the pit, and the keen sword hold at a distance, so I can drink of the blood, then speak to you truth without error. So he said, I drew back, and the keen sword, studded with silver, thrust back into its sheath, and as soon as he drank of the dark blood, uttering these words then, did the excellent prophet address me. Sweet homecoming is what you are looking for, brilliant Odysseus. This will the god make painful for you, since I do not think that you will elude the earth-shaker who laid up wrath in his spirit, goaded to anger because you robbed his dear son of his eyesight. Nevertheless, you might reach home, though suffering evils, if you are willing to curb your hunger and that of your comrades, From that time when first you are bringing your well-made galley near the Thrinacian island, escaping the violet seaway. There you will soon find grazing the cattle and great fat sheep of Helios, who looks down over all things, listens to all things. These, if you leave uninjured, and keep your mind on returning, you may arrive in Ithaca yet, though suffering evils." But if you injure the cattle, then I foretell the destruction both of the ship and the comrades. If you yourself should avoid it, late and unhappily you will return, losing all of your comrades on some other man's ship. And at home you will come upon troubles, men overbearing and haughty, who now are devouring your substance, courting your godlike bedmate, and giving her presents for marriage. Once you have come back home, their violence, you will requite them. But when there in your palace at last you have slaughtered the suitors, either by treacherous guile or by open attack with a sharp sword, start off bearing an oar in your hands, well fitted for rowing. Travel until you arrive at a place where people have never heard of the sea and they eat no food that is mingled with sea salt. Nor, in fact, do they know anything about purple-cheeked galleys, nor of the well-fitted oars which serve as the wings of a galley. This unmistakable sign I will tell you, and never forget it. When on the road you are met by another wayfarer who says that it is a winnowing fan you hold on your glistening shoulder, straightway, when in the earth your well-fitted oar you have planted— "'making oblation of excellent victims to lordly Poseidon, "'burning a ram and a bull and a sow-mounting boar in his honour. "'Then you should go back homeward, "'and sacred hecatombs offer there to the deathless gods, "'the immortals who hold the broad heaven, "'all of them one by one. "'Then out of the sea will a death come over you "'ever so gently and easily.' This it will be which kills you, tired in a sleek old age, and around you, the people, all will be happy and blessed. The truth unerring, I tell you.